Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal, from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialists. The clinic is open on both WISM Milwaukee and WIBA in Madison. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. Your host is president of the Kowal Investment Group, Jeff Kowal, the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. Jeff, that's your gig. That's what you do. That's what we do at our office Monday through Friday through Saturday. Uh, everybody from top to bottom, we talk about retirement planning. We manage almost a billion dollars of assets for our clients. So we also manage the assets and investments. Um, but it is, uh, some people do it once in a while at the Coal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. It's our passion. It's what we do for our clients every day. We act as fiduciaries, so we always put our clients' interests first. We have, you know, you hear the staff of the Coal Investment Group on both stations in Madison and Milwaukee with market reports, market updates throughout the afternoon, giving us up-to-date details. One of those guys is with us today, Joe Still. Welcome back. Good morning, Paul. Great to be back. Good to have you here. And Jeff, you've got, you know, um, I don't know what your staff is right now. How many employees you would know that? Maybe we have 22 now. And how so many locations? Five locations? Five locations. Yeah, great people. Again, um, everybody's passionate about helping our clients succeed with their retirement planning. So uh, yeah, it's it's not just a number of people. It's a great people that uh, really care about our clients. And you mentioned Monday through Friday, we do business reports. Three o'clock news block on WISN, five o'clock news block on WISN, and at 4.55 in the Vicki McKenna show on WIBA in Madison, just before the news break at the top of the hour. Try to give you one minute on what's going on in the markets that day. Uh, what's driving the market is a corporate earnings report. Is it a government report, uh, interest rates? What's driving the market? What's affecting your investment retirement China account? China trade. Could, it could be any of those things. Yeah, that's, that's been uh, causing a, a volatility in the market. Joe's going to talk about that later, the, the China trade uh, issues and just volatility in general. Um, but we try to give you an idea of what's happening that day and wrap it all up with the Dow, the S&P 500, and tech-heavy NASDAQ. Every day, Monday through Friday, 305, uh, yeah, 305, 3 o'clock news block, 5 o'clock news block on WISN, and 4.55 on WIBA in Madison. For more information, your website, thekowalway.com. We talked about the five locations, the most recent one, the addition to Racine. And it's right off the freeway at Highway 20. Can't miss the big sign. Also in Waukesha, that's your world headquarters. Port Washington, home yep. of Fish Day, of course. Uh, in Madison, we have listeners at the Middleton office. Of course, we're on WIBA. And Phoenix, Arizona. A lot of snowbirds, a lot of people uh, moving down there, and you, of course, have an office in Phoenix. Now, the reason we're here, we have a few features we're going to get to. The boss minute, the boss segment, business owner savings and security is coming up. Our sexy segment is about wealth management and preservation. But along with Joe Still and Jeff Kowal, we're here to answer your questions. Any retirement questions, welcome. Right now, you can use the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And when we say questions, literally anything concerning your future. Are you on the right track? Do you have some 401k plans just sitting out there? You need to kind of consolidate everything. Those uh, come into play. Social security questions. You and your retirement. Use the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line and give us a call. We're at 799-1130. 414-799-1130. You talk about having assets scattered all over. That's one of the reasons why people come to us is because they, they have been at previous employers. They may be left a, 
uh, 401k back there and they want, don't know what to do with it or they're afraid it's going to get lost or they have to take required minimum distributions from it eventually and annuities and, and stock accounts, brokerage accounts and uh, all kinds of things, different places. So consolidating is a big uh, thing that we do for a big uh, benefit that we provide for our, for our clients. This is a Wall Street Journal article, though, Paul, that I want to get started because there's a line in here that Joe and I were talking about that really is pretty powerful. This is... Uh, uh, it's the the author of this is Laura Saunders from the Wall Street Journal, and the title of the article is "Wow, did we get a lot of questions about the Roth 401k?" And I thought this was pretty interesting because most workers now have their own savings retirement, um, and they face head spinning choices involving IRAs, 401ks, and Roth options. And so, how do you decide which is the best way to go? And the article starts with Americans more than ever are responsible for planning their own retirement finances. But the pressure of that responsibility and a variety of options have many confused. The collapse of traditional pensions is largely driving the self-directed retirement savings. Most recently, in 2018, 60% of retirement assets were in self-managed accounts such as IRAs and 401ks compared to 48% in 2000. So 60% of retirement assets are in IRAs and 401ks as opposed to 48% just about 18 years ago. A tax report attempted to help savers when we examined a trend of more companies offering Roth 401k retirement savings instead of just traditional 401ks. And let's back up a little bit. How are traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, Roth IRAs, and Roth 401ks alike? They're all... <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Jeff's getting over a cold, I think. Sinus infection. I still have this lingering, goofy cough. Anyway... <laughs> They're all tax-sheltered retirement accounts that individuals contribute to and manage themselves. They all grow tax-free. Um, so any dividends or interest or anything else you get is deferred from taxes or tax-free, depending on what type of accounts you have. Then what are the differences? There are many. Two key ones. Uh, 401k plans are maintained by employers, employers, unlike most IRAs. And you can put in $19,000 or $25,000 if you're 50 or more. Age 50 or better. Okay, this is a key thing, Paul, because you can put $25,000 away. But if you have a company match, the combined employer contributions for both company and worker cannot exceed $56,000 or $62,000 if you're age 50 or older. So if a, if a company does a one-for-one -one match all the way up to the full amount, you could get 56000 or sixty almost $60,000 a year into your retirement plans. That's pretty generous. Uh, contrast, uh, IRAs and Roth IRAs aren't workplace plans. Um, those who do individually, $6,000 is the limit for 2019, $7,000 for age 50 or older. Um, let's start, and the, the Roth, the, the limits, the income limits do not apply to rollovers. You can roll over as much as you want. But the, the key here is that for Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks, savers put in after-tax dollars and withdrawals can be tax-free forever. If the saver is converting an IRA to a Roth 401k to a Roth IRA, income taxes are due on the conversion. So you pay the taxes up front, tax-free forever. This is what I thought was a key line in this whole thing. So once we've established that you can do traditionally get that deduction for it or pay the taxes up front. I, just as interjector, paying taxes up front, most people would prefer that way, I would assume? Well, 
that is a good observation. A lot of people want to get the deduction because it's not included on your income taxes. Mm-hmm. So if if you pay the tax up front, that means it's included on your income tax. And we know what the tax rate is now where we don't that's right. down and, the road. And it's lower now. And that's a great observation because that means that if you put $6,000, as an example, if you put $6,000 into a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, you're effectively saving more for retirement than somebody put $6,000 into a traditional IRA or 401k. Even though the dollar amount is the same, one, you've already paid the taxes and that all grows tax-free now. The other one, you're still going to have to pay taxes. The taxes will be due sometime in the future. When I take those RMDs on my 401k, sometime, Jeff, when I hit my retirement age and I start withdrawing, I'd have to pay those taxes at that time. That's a traditional 401k plan. That's correct. Yep. And then the Roth, so if you have $600,000 in your uh, IRA or $600,000 in your Roth IRA, which is worth more? The Roth IRA is worth more. The Roth is, yeah. Yeah, because you've already paid the taxes on it. Absolutely. So it wasn't a trick question, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of thought it was for a second. So it's kind of a tough pill to swallow at first, Joe, because, hey, i got to pay these taxes. But you don't down the road. Yep. And we get that question all the time from clients looking at, do I contribute to the traditional 401k or the Roth 401k? And it just depends on this on the individual client and the situation. For those young individuals that are in their accumulation phase with a lower income and lower income taxes, a Roth is a no-brainer. Put, all, put everything into that Roth. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as you're young, that'll continue to build up. For those older individuals that like me, I'm 53, are in a higher tax bracket, it might be a mix of some traditional 401k and some Roth. Okay, it just kind of depends on this. Could I convert my 401k plan into a Roth? Uh, After you roll that out, you could, yes. Hmm. Yeah, you have some options inside too, but you do anytime you do that, you have to pay the taxes up front, yeah. Uh, So you can't go from a traditional to a uh, a Roth, but every t- any time you do that, for whatever amount you do, you have to pay the taxes up front. And it grows tax-free forever. Then there are three additional benefits to the Roth. And let me just run through those before we go on our break. Um, our, the benefits, uh, one is that the Roth IRAs don't have required payouts in retirement. Traditional IRAs and 401ks, right now it's 70 and a half, and the new SECURE Act is trying to raise it, raise it to 72. So at age 70 and a half, or most likely age 72, you have to take money out of your 401ks or your IRAs. The company wants their, the, the government wants their pound of flesh, so they're going to get it out of your, out of you one way or another, and at 72, they're going to force you to start taking required minimum distributions. You don't have that in in Roths right now. They may force that in the future, but right now you don't. In addition, tax-free Roth IRA withdrawals don't raise your reported income. So once you're you know 70 and a half and you have to take out required minimum distributions for some people, that puts them in a higher tax bracket. So they're paying higher taxes, maybe paying higher Medicare premiums because their income is higher. This uh, withdrawals from Roth IRAs don't count towards that. And finally, if, if for savers who don't need the money, Roth IRAs have helped older Americans leave more assets to heirs by providing tax-free growth and withdrawals for many years after death. Um, you know, right now, they're trying to limit it to 10 years. Uh, I, I, they're, Congress, right now, it's 
based on life expectancy. If somebody inherits a, inherits a Roth IRA, they have 43 years of left of life expectancy. That's how long they can keep the money in their Roth IRA. Congress is trying to limit that to 10 years. Either way, tax-free growth, tax-free transfer to the next generation or to somebody else, and tax-free withdrawals. You mentioned the next generation inheritance. Do you find your experience, Joe, with most of your clients that that's a goal, or is it, I just want enough money for me to live on through the rest of my life? Or is it a mix? It's definitely a mix. Some people come in and, you know, we, we identify that client's goals right up front to find out what what do they want to do with their money. Yeah. Some people it's very important that they leave a legacy and leave money to their their children or more importantly grandchildren. grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like you. But, yep. But then we also have clients that say <laughs> my kids are fine. Uh we want to spend it all and have just an outstanding retirement. Right. There's and, things we want to do. I worked right. my whole life for this pot of gold, this right. big nest egg, and I'm going to spend it. Right. And for most of our clients, we can accomplish both. And their, their lifestyle, for, for a lot of our clients, um, they haven't lived an extravagant lifestyle. They're not going to dramatically change their lifestyle in retirement. Or if they have lived an extravagant lifestyle, they would have had enough money. They would have set enough si- uh, money aside that they can continue that in retirement. So, and that's good if you're the kids, right? It's nice yeah, to have and grandkids. It, yes. it, it, and grandkids. And it's nice to have an inheritance. But, Joe, we've covered this in the past. Never count on it because you just never know in life, right? right. Correct. Assisted living, nursing yeah. home. You don't know. Correct. You just don't know. There are only a few guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and change. We know change is coming. That's why we meet with our clients on a regular basis to understand what those changes are and then adjust their plan accordingly. When we come back, we've got phone lines open for your questions on the retirement clinic. From the Kowal Investment Group, President Jeff Kowal, your host for the show, Joe Still is here. The phone line is open. Use the Acunet Talk and Text Line. Any retirement question, financial planning, your future, give us a call, 414-799-1130, or shoot us a text at that same number on the Acunet Mortgage Line. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner's savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. We've talked about a lot of ways to sell businesses, but not about how to address an issue that many businesses face, debt. First, take inventory of your debt. Sort all your different types of debt by interest rates and monthly payments. This can help you prioritize which debts to take on first. Many times, highest interest rate debt should be the first on the list to address. Second is to cut costs. Consider selling off any equipment, office supplies, or any other items that you don't use too often. Also consider smaller offices or split costs with other companies. Next, refinance high-cost debt. If you can't pay off any debts in full, it may make sense to explore refinancing. The Federal Reserve has not been clear, which has caused some uncertainty about interest rates, and now may be a great time to explore consolidating those debts into one, if possible, and take advantage of the great rates while they last. Last, shorten payment terms with clients. Your business might have clients on long-term payment plans. Maybe they even consistently pay late. Either way, it may make sense to revise payment terms. 30-day rather than 90-day payment terms can boost the speed of cash flowing into the business. Also, early payment discounts and late payment penalties can be effective ways to whittle down what is owed to you. 
Dropping debt that can be an anchor is one way to help with the long-term prospects, but also can greatly increase the value of your business, especially if you're looking to make an exit. Aaron Kowal, today's boss segment on the Retirement Clinic. And, Jeff, we do that for business owners. It's a weekly feature on the program. It's a big part of our practice, especially those that are, are close to selling their business and want to know how do you convert those proceeds from your business into uh, income for the rest of your life and for your family. So it's a big part of our business. Aaron's a big part of, of uh, bringing that to our clients. Um, so, yeah, it's a great segment, the, the boss minute. We uh, have the sexy segment still to come, but right now, phone calls. Now, we did get a text on GE Stock, and we'll probably address that after we sneak in a couple questions. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line for the Retirement Clinic, 414-799-1130. Joe Still is here with your host, Jeff Kowal. Let's go to Medford. Talk to Jim. Jim, good morning. You're on WISN. Good Hi. morning. Hi, Jim. What's up? My question is, if a wife... The grandchildren and great-grandchildren are the recipient of a 401k or a delayed uh, delayed fund uh, on the RMD. How many years do they have? It depends upon the relationship to the deceased or, or what, what is the requirement. Yeah, a lot of times the beneficiary will be, it'll be based on their life expectancy. Now, you, for the most part, um, the 401ks won't let it get down to the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. They're not interested in holding on to that plan in the 401k for a long time. So most people will move it out of there, move it into an individual retirement account, and then you name the beneficiaries there. But then the beneficiaries, if, if the rules stand up as they currently are, it'll be based on the beneficiary's life expectancy depending on the age of the deceased. So it's, it's a little complicated, but it will be based, for the most part, many cases, cases on the life expectancy of the beneficiary okay thank you all right thanks for the call thank you very much jim on beneficiaries i know a lot of people jeff you've talked about the american society our culture has changed the divorce rate is extremely high right now over 50 percent how many people forget about you know trusts and wills and changing those beneficiaries basically keeping it up oh yeah and what jim is talking about is really a good observation because in the in he mentioned a couple different beneficiaries and you talk about the spouse, the spouse would have their own life expectancy. Uh, they can roll it into their own 401k plan, own IRA plan uh, rather. And they, you know, it's the same rules as the uh, owner of the IRA. It gets a little bit more complicated when you get to the next generation or to non-spouse beneficiaries. And that's where the rules may be changing now with the SECURE Act. Uh, but in any event, yeah, you have to keep up with the beneficiaries. You won't, don't want to have uh, unintended consequences with your beneficiaries. You don't want an uh, ex-spouse of one of your kids as a beneficiary of your. I mean, that can that. So you have to keep up to date. That with, family dynamic. You know, I mean, you sometimes bet. you you know I've I've known some people in my life that get along just fine with their ex and life goes on just fine, but. Typically, that's not the case. That, that's not, and keep up to date with that. You have deaths and births, and you want to make sure that everybody who is to be included is included, and who is not, is not to be to be excluded. Uh, Jim was calling from Medford, and Joe still made a good point. Off the air, we talked about the iHeart app. You yourself love it, love it, and use it all the time. You know, if that signal fades, like in winter when we power down, or if you're just up, you're traveling up the Green Bay, Door County, and you start losing ISN, go to that iHeart app and please listen to WISN so we'll take calls from all over the state or country. And, and also, as long as you're talking about that, let's talk about Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. 
Because yes. Koal Vesper Group is on all those mediums. You are a social media guru right now, Jeff Oh, oh no question about it. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody on your staff is. Uh, your website also, thekowalway.com. If you have any questions for Joe Still or Jeff Kowal right now, lines are open. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and text number 799-1130. Speaking of text, Joe, we did get that text about GE stock, and it was just said, what do you think of GE? Yeah. We get questions like this all the time, and you know, I want to qualify by saying we're not individual stock pickers. We use low-cost, no-load, good-performing mutual funds and ETFs for the most part. Uh, but we do get a lot of cases where a client might have a, an individual stock holding and they look for some advice. But at times, we hold on to stocks way too long Emotions. because we are emotionally connected and we can't stand losing, and we, you know, we picked a loser. You're going to pick losers over your life. Move on. Sell it, take the loss, and and deploy those assets into a better investment. I think Jeff Joe made a great point that uh, you also – who says rationalization is a big part of what we do? There's a certain talk show host. We do. We rationalize our own choices and decisions. That makes it more difficult to – hey, I made a mistake. Well, a lot of times it's emotion involved because you worked for the company. If it's GE, Johnson Controls, Harley-Davidson, AT&T, whatever the company might be that – uh, that you work for, you say, I know more about this company and you know, I've, I'm emotionally attached to it because I work there. Um, there's a rule of thumb in, in the mutual fund business and not necessarily with ETFs, but with mutual funds that the, the companies wouldn't let their managers own more than 5% of any one stock. So that I think is a pretty good um, benchmark that if you, if you're overloaded in it, because they don't want to, they don't want their mutual fund managers to fall in love with the stock, load up on it, have twenty percent of the portfolio in one stock. That stock goes bad, and the performance of the whole mutual fund goes bad. Yeah, but yeah, so they they made a rule: you can't have more than. Well, 5%. That's, that's a guideline. It's not necessarily a rule. Okay, you so you could if you want. To. Sure. Okay. Sure. So in your own portfolio, it's probably not a bad idea. You say, okay, but I work for the company. I know it better. Okay, so maybe have ten or twelve percent. Isn't Harley Davidson a perfect example? Yeah, I think that probably is. There are a number of companies around here that might be a really good example of that and uh, you hang on to it for too long there are some that are very good companies very good performers that should be a significant part of your portfolio you just have to be careful with it don't fall in love with it so much that it overtakes your portfolio and could potentially uh, goof up your overall return We'll definitely sneak in some more questions yet this hour. It is the Retirement Clinic, Jeff's website, thekowalway.com. Joe Still is joining us from the Kowal Investment Group today on the program. And the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 799-1130. So you can certainly text us questions, but we love taking phone calls. And now we have time to sneak in another one of your topics today. Joe? Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about uh, being emotional. And we act as a coach for a lot of our clients when it comes to controlling those emotions, taking emotions out of the decision. So this week, uh, we add volatility return pretty significantly to the market, right? That's an understatement. up and down. <laughs> man, oh man. We're, uh, we, we're going to send this article out actually early next week. And the title of the article uh, is Strategies for Investors in a Volatile Market, right? So very uh, timely topic. Uh, During volatile times, many investors get agitated and begin to question their fundamental investment decisions and choices, okay? So we get emotional. We see the market moving up and down, especially those individuals in retirement that are on a fixed income. They get nervous. They get scared. 
That's why we put a plan together for them, and they're and they're on that plan. Um, what, what the first day that the Dow dropped about seven hundred some points. I think correct, it was Monday, Monday when the the, the uh, China trade deal was being talked about. I'm not going to say his name, but a very close friend of mine who's a coworker here is in sales. Stopped by my office and said, "Have you seen the Dow down? My retirement plan just went down." It's oh, I said seven hundred points. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Right. What happened the next day? It went back up. Right. Yeah. I mean, we get a little bit too wrapped up in the day-to-day movements of the Dow. Is that what your right. point is? Absolutely. Keep things in perspective. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share a stat with you. So. Uh, volatility is part of the normal stock market cycle. Uh, a pullback would be considered a drop between 5 and 10%. A correction would be 10% or greater. So let's look at how many times did the market pull back. So did it go down between 5 and 10% uh, since 1945? The S&P 500 has declined between 5 and 10% 78 times. Okay. So 78, 78 times. times. So take a guess at how many months it took after that decline between 5 and 10%. How many months did it take for the, the market to go back up to its high? On average, you mean over all On those average, times? Two? One month. Hmm. So that's pretty good. So it happens fairly often. 78 times since 1945. That's fairly often. Yeah. And you see... Uh, you know, if there's a correction of 10% or more, on average, it takes four months to recover. So if it's between 10% and 20%, on average, it takes four months to recover. So this is pretty fast. So Joe says that it recovers in one month. It's like, it's a blink of an eye. There were some cable stations, I won't mention any name, CNN, that on Monday, we're talking about a recession. Right. Are we headed, is this finally the economy coming to an end? We are in such a strong economy right now, Joe. But we do go over the top. I mean, and part of it is the media. We're 24 7. There's stations, there's everybody's talking about the economy that I think people get a bit too wrapped up in it. Right. Absolutely. And one of the key points in this article is is beware of media magnification. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Exactly what you see. Not mentioning any names. Yeah. Another point I want to make. So, you know, what should an, an investor do in these volatile markets? And, and I think they, they make a very good point here. Ask yourself three questions when things get volatile. One, have my financial timelines changed, right? Ask yourself that question. Have, have anything changed in, in the timeline for my financial situation? Have my financial, financial goals changed, right? Have, have, has anything changed from that perspective? Mm-hmm. And number three, has my risk tolerance changed? So when things get volatile, and I said this on our Monday market report, a lot of times the best thing to do when things get volatile is just stop, collect yourself, ask yourself those questions. Have, has my plan changed? Have the fundamentals changed in my plan? Uh, has my tolerance for risk changed? Now, if I'm 63, 64, it's different than the 38-year-old that's out there. Correct. 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 
Yeah, and if you've been listening to Joe's reports lately, Monday through Friday, they've been really good with and Joe and, and Aaron Spitzner and John and Marie and the others in our office. But they're adding a little bit more to it that says, what What do you do? How does this affect you? So what? And um, so that's one of the things that Joe mentioned in his report this week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and when I talked about my coworker, he was in the same boat. I mean, my gosh, it was like the world was coming to an end. And the next day, he's like, just put up his arms and like, hey, we're doing okay now. We're back, right? right. Well, that's that's kind of being an investor. Right. Uh, you've got to, and I'm sure you talk with your clients about handling that emotional roller coaster. Yes. One of the big things we do for our clients is take the emotion out of making those decisions. It's very difficult if you're managing your own money to not get emotional when those markets go up and down. Entirely correct. And that's where you guys can step in and kind of just say, wait a minute, it's not all that bad. Why don't you read the, go through three questions one more time. Have my financial timelines changed? So when markets get volatile, have things changed? It goes up 700 points. Have my, really, has anything changed from yesterday to today? Right. Have my financial goals changed? Most likely they haven't, right? and has my risk tolerance changed? And and another key here, and what we do for our clients is put that plan together. And we talked about this before when I was lucky enough to sit in Jeff's chair about stress testing the plan, right? Planning for the worst, hoping for the best. And that's when we put that plan together, we plan for the market to go down. Yeah, Okay. you have and, to. Yeah, you have to. And all that being said, I will admit this week, guess what I did? I went to my 401k online and checked my balance. Yeah. I think that's normal. Yeah. I didn't make any changes. I was just curious. That's good. Yeah, right. I didn't because, over- uh, because if you make any changes and we've gotten texts and calls from clients, they said, should we be doing something? And you know, you wouldn't, it can turn around so quickly as Joe was, was saying, it turns around so quickly you'd have missed out on the recovery days as well. So now, can I, I can be honest and transparent with our listeners. I'm 90% in stocks. Yeah, I don't think that as you're contributing money and, and still you're not, you know, you haven't gotten your pink slip. You're not leaving yet. Your chances <laughs> are you, you're hoping to be working for a while. Yeah. Um, so when volatility is actually in your favor on times like this, because if you're 90% and you're adding money in, you're buying stocks at a discount. When the market drops 700 points a day, you just bought some stock at a discount. Exactly. If you're contributing to your 401k. So that's a big advantage for you to be, to be that aggressively in your 401k. And then when it bounces back up, and Joe mentioned how quickly it recovers one month at, for, for a quick recovery, all those stocks that you bought at the discount now come up in value. And then you'll be smiling. And that's it, a good time to look at your 401k. It is. Too. You tend to avoid bad news, right? We become putting the head in the sand kind of thing. I don't want to see this. I'll just avoid it. Right. Good times, it's kind of nice to look at that balance. But it's kind of managing that whole big picture. Right. Uh, good stuff, Joe. And after the break, I think we're turning in to the sexy segment. It's about wealth management and preservation. That's right. Uh, and that's going to be a really good one. You don't want to miss out on that. In the meantime, you know, the Kowal Investment Group, uh, go to the Kowalway.com. K-O-W-A-L, the Kowalway.com. Uh, we act as fiduciaries. Again, if you have $750,000 or more in retirement assets, if you're close to already in retirement, Go to the kowalway.com if you want to schedule an appointment with us. Click the Contact Me button, and we can get started with you. Heather will get back to you right away. 262-522-4040 is the phone number for the Kowal Investment Group. 
some Everly Brothers, I hear. We always pick out theme music for the day, Jeff. And Well, not theme music, yeah. but we stick to one artist usually. A friend of mine, Jerry, last night was saying that he was in the service because they had to be in the reserve, so he actually knew. He didn't know them personally, but he knew them and saw them when they were ser- serving, when he was in the service, and they'd be in reserves, and they'd have to come in and slop food or whatever they had to do to fulfill their requirement. <laughs> Great harmonies. Ty, crank oh, yeah. up the music. We'll head into the break, and we're going to come back with the sexy segment. The Retirement Clinic continues on WISM Milwaukee and WIBA Madison. Wake up, Wake up. We are back, and it's time for the sexy segment. However, a couple of callers have been patient, so we certainly welcome calls and always go to the phones, and we do have time to sneak in both. So we're going to do that right now as we continue the retirement clinic. Joe Still is joining your host, Jeff Kowal. Let's get to some of these calls. Waukesha and Teresa, next up. Welcome to the program, and good morning, Teresa. Good morning. How are you? Doing good. Um, Hi, Teresa. I question. I'm planning on moving to Arizona, and I'm wondering, what are the advantages of buying a house in not in your name, but in the revocable trust of your name? And can you get a loan on that? Um, that's a good question. And for most people, and, and, and I don't know what's driving you to Arizona. I have a kid there and, and his uh, his wife, and they love it there. So where are you going in Arizona? Huh. What's affordable to me? There's a place called Sierra Vista. It's in the southern area, very close to the Mexican border, but... That's yeah. about the only place I can afford on the limited budget I'm going to have when I retire. Well, an advantage of having a revocable living trust is that, uh, first of all, you can hold assets in the trust. Uh, it uh, bypasses probate. You can name beneficiaries in that, and it can be private, and you can um, do just about whatever you want to do with a revocable living trust that you can as an individual or as a joint account. Uh, for the most part, I don't think it's a, a, a – there's no disadvantage to buying the – house in the trust. Um, I think it's probably a pretty good idea as long as you have a revocable living trust set up. Uh, you know, there are things that are called pour over provisions and an attorney can explain to you, to you better than I can. But if for some reason, let's say you bought it individually and it didn't go into your trust, uh, sometimes a pour over provision will deem that those assets should pour over into your trust anyway. So having the revocable living trust, buying it through a trust, I think is probably a clean way to do it. Okay, so again, you can buy it in your name. Can you get a loan on it, though, like that, as it's called the Revocable Living Trust? Sure. Uh, the loan will be in, in, you know, it's basically your Social Security number. It's gonna be, you're going to be responsible for the loan anyway. Okay. It's not going to be some phantom trust that's going to be owning it. It's still you. Okay. Uh, you generally keep your Social Security number, so you're going to be responsible for that. It's just the titling of the assets that's the biggest thing. And, yeah, you can get a loan for that, too, if it's titled in, your, in uh, the trust name. Okay, I have a second question, please. Um, I have a house that I bought 14 years ago when the houses were like $10,000 more than what they were really worth, and I haven't been able to keep up maintenance because I don't make that much money on it. So I'm going to lose probably about $40,000. But am I correct? Even though I, I, when I sell the house, I'm probably going to make maybe twenty because I've been paying a long time into it. I still have to pay taxes on that money even though – I bought it with money that I already paid taxes with. You have well, to pay taxes on whatever you get from selling a house. 
Well, if you, it depends on what your depreciation has been, and if you wrote off more, and if your basis is lower than what you're going to sell it for, then you are going to have a gain. So, yeah, it seems odd that that would be the case. Anything else, Joe, or is that? No, that's that's, that's about correct. it. So, yeah. yeah, I think that, that that it seems odd that, but if you have taken tax breaks and had depreciation on all these years, it could be that your basis is lower, even though you're you're selling it for less than what you you paid for it. Uh, there may be some tax. Uh, a gain on it anyway. Uh, Teresa, thank you for the call. Uh, and if you want to follow up or talk more in detail, uh, that goes for all of our listeners. You can reach out to the Kowal Investment Group many ways, the Kowal Way, or 262-522-4040. All right, it's time. It's time for the sexy segment. What's the this, show? Yeah, this is this show is for everybody. This segment is for those with a million dollars or more. <laughs> Excuse me. A lot of times people think I don't have a million dollars, but if you have $500,000 in your retirement plan, if you have a $500,000 home, you're at a million dollars. If you have life insurance policy, it's a million dollars, you're at $2 million. If you own your own business, if you get an inheritance, you may be at $3 million, $5 million, $20 million or more. This segment is for you. This is how, once you've reached a certain level of success or a certain level of wealth, how do you preserve it? grow it, take income from it, and then pass it on to your heirs. That's what this segment is for. This is uh, a Wealth Matters article. Um, I think it's from the New York Times. Always cite your source. Yeah, I think that's where it's from. Uh, Paul Sullivan is the author of the article. Four reasons parents don't discuss money and why they should. Families are often reticent to talk about wealth and inheritance with their children, but experts, whoever those are, say that they can create confusion and insecurity. It says parents will talk about drugs, sex, everything else, bullying, mental health. So why do a significant number of parents still not talk to their children about wealth and inheritance? That is a really good question. Yeah, two-thirds of Americans, this is, I thought, was a surprising number. Two-thirds of Americans who at least have $3 million in investable assets have not talked to their kids about wealth and never will, according to Merrill Lynch Wealth Survey. I, I mean, I my, per, my knee-jerk reaction is it's awkward. If there's several kids, it's awkward to talk about how much money mom and dad have and who's going to get it or are you going to get it. Yep. Yeah, I just think it, it creates, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't be uncomfortable, but I think it is. Well, two-thirds of them say that they didn't bother because they assumed the kids already had it figured out. They figured, we got money, you're going to get it. Oh, that's, that's 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 terrible. That's a terrible. Well, this never assume. Worse. Never assume. Ten ten percent, <laughs> and this describes my parents, and that was just that generation. But ten percent refused to talk about that all with the kids about money, saying it's nobody's business. That's exactly what I I remember growing up too. Grandpa and Grandma got some money, right? Don't talk to them about it. It's none of your business. Yeah. Well, maybe it is in some of my business, but there's got to be communication somewhere. Yeah. And they say, here are the four reasons people avoid the talk and what they can do about it. You think your children are not watching you. The most common reason cited for not talking about money is that parents do not want inheritance to rob children of motivation. I think that's a valid concern. Yeah, they said that. Uh, this is I thought was pretty interesting. A second grade kid, because they go to all these house parties, will be able to rank the wealth of the people in their class pretty accurately. <laughs> <laughs> so one party, one's holding a lot of big parties. They have a pool and they have a bounce house they're, and everything else. Rich. They got they got something. I remember growing up too. You always knew, oh that that family's rich. They got money. That was just an assumption, but you you judge it based on the house, the car. Yep. 
Yeah, I, they'll figure it out. What Second did the same experts say? That we should communicate more? I mean, they must have some advice. Yeah. Yeah. There's, another one is that they say, well, they say, yeah, bring it up. That it, it, it's, it may be obvious to you, but it's, uh, you know, the kids are watching you, and just because you talk about it isn't going to, you can also set expectations as, you know, just because, and you don't have to talk dollar amounts. You can talk about theoretically what kind and what they can expect and not. Right discourage their uh, motivation. Another is that you're a- anxious and talking about it makes it worse. Talking to your children about sex, drugs, and drinking can help release anxiety for a parent. You've done their their job and protected your child. Talking about wealth, what you fear is your kids will see it differently. I don't want my kids to know we're wealthy. Uh, that anxiety can be heightened by a feeling of not knowing what to talk about or when or with whom. Uh, again, you have to have the talk just because you're anxious about it, especially as things, you know, there's, there's, um, um, well, we see it sometimes in our politicians as well, where there may be loss of mental capacity that, you know, and it may be gradual or it may be pretty extreme. I was just going to bring that up, Jeff. Yeah. Have that talk before it's too late. That's right. Um, another reason is you don't come from a generational wealth. Um, the families that inherit wealth often continue to be wealthy because they have conversations. Uh, it's what they've done for generations. So you talk about this is yours for now. Uh, you know, live off the income, but now it's it's not your money long term. It's set for the next generation. Even though it's a so, private matter and a family discussion, does it help to have somebody like a financial advisor that can kind of step in and say, "Have you talked to your kids yes. yet?" Yes. And that's, uh, go yeah. Ahead, yeah. And I was going to add to that. We encourage our clients to bring their children in, their, especially their adult children, just to have that conversation with them so they understand if something does happen to mom and dad, you know, uh, here's the game plan. But then also we help those kids get started in life. As they start to work, we encourage them to come in and talk to us, and we can help them put a good plan together and understand and become educated on good financial fundamentals. That's well, a great point. I, this is all good advice on today's sexy segment, and my mom and dad usually listen to my shows, so mom and dad, I'll be over after this to talk. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be scrambled. You may not find them home. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Suddenly they're gone. They disappear. You know, sometimes I've got a brother and a sister. There's three kids in my family. Usually one of it, one of the kids kind of is the the go-to person, right? You know, like, oh, yeah. you know, the older one or whatever, yeah. and, and they kind of take charge. At least communicate with one of them. Yeah, and it's not going to be a surprise to them. For In our practice, it's you know it's $750,000 or more. If a client has $2 million or $2.5 million, they say, but my kids don't have that yet. We always bring in, as Joe mentioned, we like bringing the next generation in, whether they have $750,000 or not, because they're going to inherit this wealth. So we don't have minimums for the next generation. TheKowalWay.com on the web. More information about the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement clinic, with some final thoughts from Joe Still and Jeff Kowal right after this. Well, we're going to wrap up this retirement clinic by mentioning go to social media, something we, Jeff and I forget, but now that Joe still is here, Joe, you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and you have a, a Twitter account. Yes. At oh, wait, let's get, there you go. Yes, at Koal underscore invest. On Twitter. On Don't Twitter. forget the Koalway.com. Jeff, the good old 
phone, too. We can pick up the phone and call anytime. That's right. 262-522-4040. But if you're uh, uh, oh, uh, 877-560-4040. The international toll-free line. That's right. But if you have $750,000 or more or close to it already in retirement, we do act as fiduciaries. We always put your interest first. Go to the koalway.com, K-O-W-A-L. Click on Contact Me to get started with us. Heather will get back to you right away. Market updates. Five days a week on WIBA Madison. Yes, there's an office there. And on WIS in Milwaukee. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Paul. You too. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for tuning in to the Retirement